Life Audio. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And when we move toward the light, even when we take a journey like this of honesty and openness, we move toward the light and we discover, you know what? Being in the light doesn't take away everything hard, but being in the light is still way better than being in the dark. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm Nicole Eunice, your host, and I'm excited for our new series that we're about to start on the book of Ecclesiastes. This is coming from your requests. You guys have given me, particularly in our Facebook community and in any way that we might get in touch through social media, you have let me know that you want to study Ecclesiastes. So we are going to do it, guys. We're going to jump in to this complex, interesting book in the Bible, often misunderstood, often misinterpreted, often ignored, because it's hard to fit into maybe our very finite and binary ways of thinking of things. But I'm excited for us to jump into the art and the imagery that we find in Ecclesiastes together. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So before we do that, just want to give you guys a couple of updates. Love our community here. Love when we get to study together and would love for you to keep passing this podcast on to others. So make sure you send it to your friends in your church or from your Bible study or from someone who might be just exploring the truth of Jesus and who he is would love for you to use it as a tool and send it on to anyone you'd like. Also wanted to let you know, because you guys are my, you know, my crew, we've got a new book coming out. It'll be coming out next year at the beginning of 2024. And I'm right in the thick of the edits and preparing the Bible study that will go with it, as well as exploring the best way for us to do a video series So if you guys could be praying for that, it would mean a lot. This is a special book. They're always special, but this one is 
particularly close to my heart. The study is really about uncertain seasons and what God teaches us when we go through seasons that we did not expect and would not sign up for. And we're going to be looking closely at the life of Joseph through that book. And I just can't wait for you guys to get it. Can't wait to get it in your hands. Can't wait to be talking about it. But book processes are very long. So your prayers for favor and for open doors would be appreciated as we continue to to get it ready for you. So, okay, on we go to Ecclesiastes. We're going to do a little intro today to get us started since we're going to be in the book for about five weeks. So I want to give you guys just a a little someplace to start. And if you're in a place where you can read along, um, I'm actually going to encourage you to read longer portions of this book at once rather than diving deep because it's a complicated book. It's meant to be provocative. It's meant to be emotional and be emotive, create emotion in you. And it's going to sort of ask some questions of you and it's going to raise some complexity of the world. And it's been interpreted lots of different ways and people kind of have tried to fit it into a box of different themes that they find within. We're going to try to just let the text tell us what it wants to tell us. I'll do my best to point out a couple of things that you might need to know as you look at your study notes and you look at the book. So this first week we're calling All is Vanity because that is the opening line of the book of Ecclesiastes. The word Ecclesiastes simply means the assembly and the person who is speaking. Most people think that it was written by Solomon. It might have been written by someone else later in time, but one of those two things, there's a preacher and an assembly. And so you sort of picture in your mind, um, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is like this preacher's manifesto of life, like what he has come to learn about life. And in a very provocative way, The opening line is vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, how you interpret vanity is an important part of the book because this phrase vanity of vanities is repeated 38 times through the book. It appears here, it's almost half of the times it appears in the Old Testament is in just this book. So this concept of all is vanity is important for us to try to open our minds to understand it's going to become more clear as we read the book because it appears over and over again. But sort of this opening line is given to us. Uh, Vanity, obviously, we talk about that as, you know, being sort of interested in surface things or in your appearance. The actual literal meaning is vapor, like vapor of vapors, like something that does not last, a mist that you cannot capture, like something that just dissipates. That's sort of the concept here that's being laid out. And that's how the book opens. And you guys know from our other study that it's really important how books open and how books close and what that might be telling us. So we've got to hold in our mind here that we're not going to be able to necessarily immediately interpret everything we're reading in this book. We kind of want to take it in. We want to, we want to take in the tone and we want to take in like the plot as it unfolds. If we were to, if we were to speak like that, as this, preacher is addressing the assembly. Where is he going? What is happening in the story? So let me read to you one through three, the very beginning. I'm going to repeat to you again. And Ecclesiastes 1, it says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? 
a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. That was through verse four, actually. And the rest of this section goes on in a sort of poetic form in which everything's brought to to see that nothing really lasts. Everything is cyclical. And we're given that as sort of the opening. And I think this is going to be the journey of the book. The, the journey we're on in the book is what is a good life? What is man meant to gain out of the world? Another way I wrote that question is how do we make sense of a dark and broken and complicated world in light of God's promises and goodness? Oh, man. And I don't know anyone who has lived a little bit of life on earth who would not ask that question. How do we make sense of this complicated world? How do we make sense of the ups and downs? It feels like there's many parts of the church and the world, particularly, that make us believe that our entire journey in life is going to be like up and to the right on the graph, that we're just going to get more successful and more productive and more happy and more fulfilled. And that's how the world is supposed to sort of be laid out. And yet, as we live life and go around the sun a few times, we realize that's not actually the way that life plays out. And what the preacher is saying to the assembly here in Ecclesiastes is, what is it like to wrestle through the concept that things don't just always improve and that it doesn't seem like being righteous always leads to goodness? And it doesn't seem like working hard always leads to fulfillment. And all of these different, let's say, frameworks of the way we live in the world are being attacked and addressed here in Ecclesiastes. So we're going to see a couple of those right here in the opening section. The first one and that the preacher begins to address is actually the vanity of wisdom. That's the subtitle within the chapter. And I'm reading from the ESV today, the English Standard Version. It's okay if your version sounds a little bit different. There's little differences in translation that go from more literal translations, meaning word for word. And a lot of times a more literal translation can be a little more wordy, a little harder to understand. And then on the spectrum of translation, you go all the way from word for word to thought for thought. And what the translators endeavor to do in a thought to thought translation is they look at a whole phrase and try to put it into modern English in a way that's easier to understand. So the closer you are to a word for word translation, the more clunky sometimes the language is going to be, but maybe more accurate. The further you are to thought for thought, the more easy it is maybe to understand, but it may not give you quite as much nuance as you would get in a word for word translation. So the ESV is pretty far on the spectrum towards the word for word translation. An example of a thought for thought would be the New Living Translation, which sometimes I read from the NLT. And so depending on kind of where you are in faith, where you are in your study, you may find different translations are sort of a better or different fit for you. So take on what you need. I'm reading from the ESV today. And so we we read this subheading that talks about this idea that there's vanity and wisdom. And so he picks up his concept and this is what he says. He says in verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. He goes on in verse 16 and said, I acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. 
and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. Listen to verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So what we have here is that the preacher is willing to address the flip side of wisdom. He's like, I sought after wisdom. I asked God for wisdom. I have wisdom. And yet even wisdom is a mixed bag. <laughs> like even wisdom can be not so great because as you grow in wisdom, you can also grow in sorrow and you can grow in the, he uses the word in the ESV, vexation, that sort of sense of I'm so like, I'm so sad and angry. And many people come to this place. Sometimes we call this an existential crisis. We come to this place where we know more about the world. And instead of bringing us hope, it brings us sorrow. And we begin to look out at the world and try to make sense of things. And we realize that there are many things that we just can't make sense of. And maybe we apply our minds to the idea that, yeah, maybe there is good and evil in the world. And we start to engage with oppressive systems that have been around for generations. And we think, could anything ever really change? Like, this is what comes with wisdom. It's in some ways feels easier to just be foolish. It feels easier to be a person who, I don't know, plays video games and doesn't watch the news and isn't engaged with the global kind of life, right? And yet we apply ourselves to wisdom and we engage with the world and we find, oh my goodness, the problems are complicated. And the systems can be oppressive and evil can be, you know, traveling from generation to generation. And oh my gosh, have we made any progress at all? And that can all lead to despair. And so what I think the preacher is bringing to our knowledge is he's allowing the complexity of the fact that everything can be hard. He's just allowing that to be true and creating space to say there's a plus and a minus to everything in life. and. There's, I've found that there's a plus and a minus to wisdom. Even wisdom has pluses and minuses because with this great wisdom 
has come great sorrow as I've seen how the world really is. And so if you've ever felt that way and you didn't know what to do with that feeling, I want you to know, take heart. You've got a friend right here in Ecclesiastes 1. So he says, I just realized that if I increase in knowledge, I also increase in sorrow. And so now the preacher takes a turn in chapter two and he starts engaging in finding life somewhere else. And so he says, I'm going to find life in self-indulgence. And so I said in my heart, this is chapter two, verse one, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Okay, so now that the preacher has tried wisdom and he's discovered that it also leads to sorrow. So now he turns to his heart and says, let's just find pleasure in what makes you feel good. And he found that this was also vanity. He tried laughter and he tried to cheer his body with wine. And it goes on and says in verse four, this is so interesting that this is considered the section that is still self-indulgent. And it says in verse four in chapter two, and so then I made great works. (laughs) I built houses and planted vineyards and I made gardens and parks and I planted fruit trees and I made pools and I had slaves and I had great possessions and I gathered silver and gold and treasures. And then I had entertainment and I had singers and concubines. And so he's talking about becoming great by his work. And it's interesting to me that this is placed exactly in the same place as trying to find life in laughter and wine and also in great work. We sort of idolize work, the the Protestant work ethic, the American dream is all about this metocracy where if you work hard, you can have all the things that you've ever wanted to have and you can make the world better for your children. And there's a part of that that's good, of course, right? There's a part of that that's good. But as we're going to find in the book of Ecclesiastes, we can also look in and say there's a part of that that's self-indulgent. And sure, you may fool yourself into believing that you're doing everything for the good of others. But the reality is, like, at least according to the preacher, that probably exists still in the world of self-indulgence. And and maybe there's some merit, right, in, in doing great work and making beautiful things. Of course, there's merit. But what I think we're finding when we talk about this idea of vanity is that this itself still dissipates. If you're trying to find life in these things, it's like trying to hold on to vapor. It's impossible to hold on to it. If you want these great things to hold the weight of your life, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And I think that's what the preacher has come to realize. In chapter two, verse 11, he said, then I considered all my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Like I said, remember, this is a provocative book. It's supposed to bring emotion to you. I would encourage you to wrestle through it. What is your response when you hear that? Are you like, that's dumb. That's not how you act. You know, is your response like, oh my gosh, that's depressing. And that's also how I think (laughs) is your response. Huh? Like this is intriguing. And I don't know if I agree. Like, how do you respond to these ideas? Because he's laying them out here in a very provocative way to encourage us to be refreshingly honest about our life. I think my takeaway for section two is we can do good things with the wrong motive too. If we're trying to find life in them, we may find that it doesn't lead to good ends. So takeaway lesson for today is in chapter two, verses 12 and 13. After all he's said and all he's seen as he considers sort of the vanity of wisdom and the vanity of self-indulgence, it says, so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. 
Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. Doesn't that sound refreshingly honest? It's like, okay, I've surveyed the scene. I've done all these things. And yeah, everything's a mixed bag. Like being wise or being foolish, there's a plus and minus of each. Seeking after greatness or just not, there's a plus and minus to each. But what he comes to discover is, you know what? Both are a mixed bag, but it's still better to be wise than foolish. It's still better to walk into the light than to walk in the dark. And this is the journey that we're going to find in Ecclesiastes. It's going to invite us to deep dive into the reality and the honesty of it all and to come up on the other side and say, you know what? What have I discovered? What have I discovered in life? And I hope you, like the preacher, might be able to say, you know what? It's still better to be wise than to be foolish. It's still better to walk in the light than it is in the dark. Yes, both of them are difficult, but only in one of those places do we find Christ. It says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And when we move toward the light, even when we take a journey like this of honesty and openness, we move to the light and we discover, you know what? Being in the light doesn't take away everything hard, but being in the light is still way better than being in the dark. I'll talk with you guys next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.